Your state. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly. Lepra's pitch. Acker swings and gets one through the right side into right field. It's a base hit. Anderson scores. Here comes Chick to score. And the Huskers have taken the lead. It's another two-run single off the bat of Joe Acker. And it's 7-5 Nebraska. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Here we are, Sports Nightly on a Wednesday night, halfway to get you to a holiday weekend, the beginning of summer, right? That's what Memorial Weekend signifies. It's get the campers out, the boats on the lake, get after it. It's going to be a little chilly, though, looking at some of the forecasts for the weekend. It's going to drop back into highs in the 60s. Might be a little nippy if you're heading out to the lake for the weekend, but uh, your first of the three-day weekends for the summer coming up here in just a couple of days. It also coincides with Nebraska wrapping up the regular season against the Michigan Wolverines. Noon pit first pitches for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Looking forward to being out at Haymarket Park. Some really good ticket sales going on for all three games. In fact, all the reserve seats are gone for all three games. Still plenty of GA tickets available if you want to come out and watch this team play for a couple of days. And Tim had this in the ticker, Ben, about motivation for the weekend. I mean, that's that's been the popular question all week. In fact, I asked it of Will Bolt on Monday night. I mean, here you've won the league. Um, you've got the automatic bid, so you're not going to be sweating Monday out at all. You're in. Uh, so I, I guess that is the question of the night. What, what is the motivation for this team? What do you Is that going to be an issue, do you think, with this team? You've been around this group a bunch. I don't think so. I mean, I feel like it's an opportunity to play at home. You know, they, they want to play good baseball in front of the home fans. Um, and you want to be playing your best baseball at the end of the year. So whatever that looks like and, and when, whatever opponent that is, you got to take advantage of it and, um, you know, go out there and, and, and play, play, play your best and be in a good spot next week to, to win a regional. I don't think anybody will feel good about their effort if they just kind of sit back and, you know, let things happen and, uh, you know, have a laissez-faire type attitude. I don't, that doesn't fit this team. And so I don't expect that from this team. Plus the last time, they played on their home field. They just got swept. So I think that's probably some motivation too. But, you know, they, the fans deserve um, the team to get to play at Hawks Field one more time, and, and the players deserve that opportunity too. So let's just hope that, um, you know, the team comes with the right attitude. And based on what we're hearing from um, Coach earlier today and some of the players in, in interviews, that it's, it's, it's not any time to slow down. You know, they, they've only, the, for, the, for the folks to go out and watch this team play, and for the Husker, only, and we pointed this out a lot over the weekend, only 12 home games to this point in time. Should have been 13, but the Northwestern game got canceled because of safety and health issues with the Wildcat program. So only 12 home games. That's so puny. Normally, Nebraska is 21 to 25 home games, so they played half of the normal number of home baseball games this year. So just to get out there and play one last time, I think it's going to be a kick. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how, how much fight they have in it. And you know Michigan's going to have to have a lot of fight. Michigan's trying to make sure they secure themselves a spot in the field, also trying to maybe help uh, move up the ladder as a two seed, or do they drop down to a three seed? Not that that matters a whole lot between 
two and three, but you know they'll come in here and, and put up a heck of a fight against the Huskers. The game notes have come out where both sides list or don't list. They're starting pitching for the weekend, and there was a pretty glaring omission for Nebraska. It's it's Cade Povich for Friday's game, Chance Roach for Saturday, but Ben, it's listed as TBA for the Sunday game. What do you make of that? I mean, it's, it's definitely interesting. I think there there have been a lot of times where we looked at this situation and um, or, or maybe thought that something was coming with this situation and nothing has. They stuck with Shea all year. I think the timing is a little interesting. Uh, I wonder if having one more, I don't want to call it a tryout per se, but one in, more innings for for guys that have either shown them something in the midweek and give them some game action and kind of test them out before uh, before regional. Maybe that has something to do with it, or maybe it's it's strictly you know Shannon's performance because he hasn't been overly consistent this year and and so i think it could be a lot of things and you know until we get an explanation from the coaches i'm not going to be too speculative on what that might be but i do think uh it's definitely something to pay attention to yeah interesting certainly caught some people's attention when those notes got put out earlier today we'll certainly follow it as we make our way through and get closer to the uh, the series opening up friday at noon out at haymarket park uh, with pregame again at 11.30 for that. Uh, other news of the day, multiple reports that Tony Tuioti, Husker defensive line coach, has received a new two-year contract that boosts his annual salary from 375 to 400 per year. Coach Tuioti has completed a couple of seasons now at Nebraska. We've talked quite a bit, Ben, about Coach Tuioti and the job that he's done and the depth that he's building along that defensive line. Um, your impressions of, of what he's done and, and the thoughts about him getting a little bump in pay. Yeah, I mean, he it's been well-earned, right? I mean, I think you and I have been very vocal on this show about how we feel about him and what he brings to the table. And um, I think he's adapted well here. And I think he, he gets along great. And, you know, he was, you know, technically an outsider compared to, to most, if not everybody else on, you know, here and, I think the way that he's come in and just taken over and made his stamp on the program, you know, is well well worth it. And so, I'm excited about him. I'm excited about his group, and I think it's a it's a slam dunk move. And the longer he here, he's here, the better, in my opinion. The by the looks of it, he's the only one that got a bump coming off of last season. And I'm with you. I think he's just, I think he's fit in beautifully. I think he's really. I mean, just look at the progress guys like Casey Rogers or Ty Robinson have made in the program. And, and even even a, a, a Damian Daniels, how much better he's gotten the last couple of years. And he's matured. And I think having Damian's older brother, Darian, a part of the team helped. I think that helped Damian grow up a little bit. But I just you can point to a handful of guys who've made a lot of progress with him as their position coach. So, uh, again, multiple p- reports coming out saying that that has taken place today. Uh, for Tony Tuyoti, and good for him. You and I were flying back from Indianapolis on Monday, and we bumped into Travis Fisher, the Husker defensive backs coach, who was at the Charlotte airport flying back. He'd been down in Florida seeing some family members. He was coming back on campus to get uh, back into the into the rigors of getting this team prepared and ready to play in the fall. And uh, he, he was certainly uh, upbeat about what he saw in the spring from his guys as well. And there's another coach that I think has just done an amazing job 
for Nebraska's Travis Fisher, that secondary coach. So feeling really, really good. Think about that batch of coaches on that side of the football, too, Yudi, with a line. Mike Dawson coming back and taking a bigger role this year, not only being the outside linebackers coach, but now taking over the mantle of, of um, special teams coordinator for this team. And Barrett Road, I think, has done a nice job for that inside linebacker. So I, I got to imagine Eric Chenander, Ben, pretty happy with the guys that he has to, to go to battle with every Saturday, at least from the coaching standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, having so much experience on all three levels is really important. And that was the big worry about the defensive line last year was the turnover. You know, you're, you're losing the twins and you lose Darian and guys that have played a lot of football for you. And we kind of quickly turned to, okay, well, who's next? I, we knew Ben Stilley was going to be there. And, um, you know, that that's kind of all been, you know, widely documented as to what that situation looked like. Um, when they when those guys left we were uncertain how they would perform on the field and turns out they performed pretty dang well and all those guys at the time were pretty young and a lot of them still are pretty young um now they're getting older you know last year and this year but i think this is uh the best we felt about the defensive line in a long time you know coming into a season and that's carlos and khalil and darian included and i think that's saying something and, and we all know you know linebacker the the situation there you know, Colin Miller losing him, heartbreaking, number one, the way that his career ended. But I think, you know, the uh, experience and the development of some of the guys, a linebacker, have you feeling pretty good? And then, you know, obviously the, the secondary is probably the strength of the team right now with having the two safeties back and, you know, maybe you know, one of the top three corners in the entire conference coming back and Cam Taylor-Britt. So, yeah, I think Coach Chenard is probably feeling pretty pleased about, you know, what he has talent-wise and who he has helping him. You know, back to the bumping into Coach Fisher, we, we were kind of just talking to him about some of his guys. And you and I have been big fans of Miles Farmer. And, and Miles was just heartbreaking last year when he got hurt in warm-ups of the Purdue game. But I think he's bounced back from that pretty nicely and getting going. And you could just tell by, by talking to Coach Fisher that he's also a pretty big, pretty big fan of Miles. Yeah, he uh... – He's a tremendous player, and I think we just started to see him get lifted off the ground. He had the two-pick game and the pick six, and, you know, it kind of felt like that was it for him, taking advantage of his start. And, you know, I think it's it's easy to see the potential in him, and that was just a fluke, nasty injury that he suffered. And it was great to hear that, you know, he's doing well and, you know, obviously made it through the spring and in a good spot there. So absolutely uh, I think a couple of those guys. Quentin Newsom is probably the next one that fits in mm-hmm. that with that Miles Farmer group that that uh, you know that that we're all really excited about and excited to see them get some run. Um, but at the same time, you still feel really good about the the safeties that they have back. But I do think Miles Farmer is ready to pick up the reins whenever someone hands it to him. The Big Ten Blitz, Iowa. And to talk about the Hawkeyes, Scott Docterman of The Athletics. Scott, good evening. What uh, what were a couple of the big storylines in Iowa City during spring ball? Yeah, I think there were a couple that made a lot of sense. One was just quarterback play. Uh, Spencer Petras was a little inconsistent last year. He had some good moments and, and some rough ones. So I think uh, overall what his improvement was versus the competition he was facing. And then also I think you look at defensive line. Iowa lost three starters up front which was for, happened for the third straight year. But uh, the other years, they had people who could step right in and be all-conference caliber defensive linemen. That may not be the case this year, so they had needed a lot of growth. So I would say those were the, the two primary focuses for Iowa this spring is just seeing what kind of strides they could make of those two areas. 
You know, I've, I, we've talked to all the, all the folks around the league about the transfer portal, which is just getting its grips all over collegiate sports right now. How was Iowa affected with guys maybe leaving or adding guys from that portal? What was their, their track record like in the spring? It was pretty limited, um, even more limited than it was the previous years. And uh, they only pulled one player from the transfer portal. Um, and he was uh, you know, an all-conference player at Northern Iowa, and he's a, he's a defensive back. And I think part of it is he's a, an Iowa native, and he wanted to play there, but he was a two-time All-Missouri Valley uh, defensive back. So uh, it, it's kind of interesting because Iowa has all five starters back. But but then uh, the other ones, they've lost a couple through attrition. Um, backup linemen, one went to Colorado, another one remains in the transfer portal. But they really weren't on the two deep. So, and then there were a couple in the fall. One, one that's going to be a really good player for Kansas State. His name's Julius Brents, a cornerback, and he just he just couldn't break through to start and, and stay as a starter. So, it was probably the best for him to, to move on. But Iowa wasn't real active in it, and uh, I think that they'd still try to get a defensive tackle if one's out there. Interesting. It's We've gotten a wide range of answers on that question, as I'm sure you can imagine, as we've made our way around the league. Okay, what going into the summer, and then when, the, when they put the pads on in August to get ready for the season, what are the two or three things that still need to be answered before they kick this thing off in September? I think they're really similar to what we saw in the spring. I mean, we saw Spencer Petrus. I think he made strides. Uh, at quarterback, but I, I'm, I'm not sure that he was accurate, as accurate as he wanted to be or as fundamentally sound as he wanted to be. And then uh, the number two quarterback, Alex Padilla, did make some moves forward. And uh, it's more, I wouldn't say it's yet a, a full-fledged one-versus-one competition at quarterback, but I think that there is, uh, it, it is pretty close between the two of them. So I, my guess is Spencer Petras still starts, but Alex Padilla is putting some pressure on him at that position. Now, it's really going to be about finding depth along the defensive line. Iowa's been much better probably last handful of years up front because they've been able to rotate uh, eight or nine, ten guys per game and, uh, you know, lose as many players as they did. It's going to be hard for them to do that, even though they have some really talented but inexperienced defensive linemen. So I think it's just going to be a matter of, of making sure that they find uh, who is the starters and who are uh, the guys that are going to be able to rotate. So it's more of a depth concern right now, I would say, at Iowa. Scott, unlike a lot of years, they're going to have to be ready to go out of the gate, aren't they? I mean, they've got a couple toughies in weeks one and two. Most definitely, and that's going to be a challenge. I mean, some of their tougher games in the past have been to, you know, pretty good group of five teams. You know, Wyoming with Josh yep. Allen comes to mind a few years ago. But this one, uh, you know, you're playing a team that's it's going to be ranked at Indiana and one that I thought that, that it's too bad they didn't get a matchup late in the year. I think that would have been a good one. Uh, so, yeah, coming to Kinnick Stadium the first weekend of the season, that's going to be really interesting. And then uh, additionally, uh, going to Iowa State and taking on probably the best Cyclones team we've ever seen. And uh, that rivalry is already out of control in a lot of ways. <laughs> and, this, and this year it's going to be even more so. So I, I would expect <laughs> they'll know really quickly if this team is uh, merely good or if it has a chance to, to be a championship caliber, or at least divisional championship caliber team within the first two-week period. Uh, so I'm anxious to see how they turn off. 
No doubt. Back-to-back ranked teams to start it off. That's going to be fun. Scott, we appreciate it. Enjoy your summer. We'll tap on you again in the fall. Okay. Thanks so much, Greg. Appreciate it. Scott. Indiana. And here to talk about the Indiana Hoosiers, maybe the, the, the team of the year last year in Big Ten football with what they did is Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star coming off just an amazing season. Zach, what were some of the big storylines that you and everybody was covering during spring football? Well, obviously the biggest one is, is Michael Penix's health. Um, you know, I think that kind of goes without saying. And, you know, with, with ACL tears, as uh, with, you know, I think a lot of these longer-term injuries that, that – Sport science has maybe figured out better ways to to fix or to address than we used to be able to. Uh, it seems like everything's on schedule, but it's also one of those where you know we're sort of obliged to ask if there's an update every time. And pretty much every time there's not an update, that's probably good news for Indiana. Penix uh, has been throwing. He's back home right now, but he has been throwing. Uh, he's still on track to be ready for the start of fall camp or at very least the, the opener at Iowa but I would suspect a, a lot of if not all of fall camp um, and that's kind of the one that's going to linger over in Indiana you know they picked up a number of transfers um, that is that, that I think are going to you know some of them will probably have bigger roles than others but I think it really fortified their, their rotation on both sides of the ball particularly both lines which I think is important for Indiana to kind of take another step forward. And then the other piece, you know, I don't know if we're talking about it quite as much, but Indiana lost a couple good pieces last year. You know, um, Jerome Johnson, a really good defensive tackle. Jamar Johnson, you know, maybe maybe their best defensive player, period. Certainly one of their best defensive players uh, off to the NFL. You know, their starting center, Harry Kreider, who's one of their real sort of unsung heroes offensively a year ago. So there are some questions Indiana's going to have to answer in fall camp, but Penix's health just kind of looms over everything else. No doubt. I mean, the starting quarterback, that that always is is the case. You, you touched on it, and I, I did want to ask you about the, the transfer portal is certainly changing college athletics. What were the pluses and minuses in, in, in that for Indiana? You, you touched on a couple of guys that they've added. What about were there some subtractions to the program as well through the portal? There weren't as many sort of notable subtractions through the portal as there were through the draft. You know, even some guys that I think probably had a pretty good idea they wouldn't be drafted, still staying in. Maybe also just still, you know, in a, a guy like Harry Kreider's case, ready to move on, ready for a, uh, a life after football if the NFL didn't work out, of course. Um, but I think that from the from the portal perspective, it's been much more about the incomings when you talk about Stephen Carr, uh, running back from Southern Cal that I think is going to fortify a rotation that has a lot of, to like about it, but it's still kind of unproven with Stevie Scott gone. A couple big defensive line additions, Ryder Anderson from Ole Miss, who by all accounts had an excellent spring. And then Jaron Handy, a, a one-time top 100 recruit from Auburn, who's just coming in here in the summer. Um, you know, they added a couple, couple other pieces at skill positions and and like I said, just generally, I think it, I don't know if there's, you know, I mean, listen, you know, time will, time will tell and I'll probably be proven wrong with one of, you know, when one of them's first team all big 10 or something, but <laughs> I don't know if we're talking about any one of these players being just an absolute stud next season for Indiana. But I think what it does is it, it takes a team that's already fairly experienced and fortifies a lot of that. You know, another guy, Zach Carpenter, who played some games uh, at Michigan and is, you know, he's actually at one time a, a pretty priority recruit for Indiana before he wound up at Michigan, coming back in to, to take a spot on the interior line, again with Harry Kreider gone. 
Um, so I think you're really talking more about just kind of solidifying some areas and, and, and you know, maybe in ways that we're going to see the portal used more consistently over the next, I don't know how many years, just in terms of, you know, Indiana's taken a couple smaller freshman classes in the last couple of years because they've been so um, sophomore, junior heavy. They haven't graduated a lot of guys in the last couple of years, so they haven't been able to take huge recruiting classes. And I think maybe now Indiana's kind of looking at it and saying, well, maybe, you know, maybe the way forward is to be really selective about recruiting out of high school and, and really be you know, really be invested in a smaller group of guys, but making sure we're getting the ones we want and then doing some some added work in the portal in the, the winter and the spring. We'll see, but um, I think certainly at the very least it has it has helped Indiana here just kind of shore up some, some weakness and some skill thoughts, and as I said, in particular in the offensive line. Zach, last year because of COVID and no fans being allowed, the fans really weren't able to wrap their arms around this team. Do you expect bigger crowds this fall? Are ticket sales better? What, where does that stand in Bloomington? Indiana certainly does. Um, season ticket sales and renewals and just kind of engagement on that. And Indiana's just now sort of moving from selling season ticket packages into offering single-game tickets for the fall for football. Um, and my understanding from talking to IU's AD, Scott Dolson, is, is those packages are up about 10% from where they were, I, I guess, either last summer or in 2019. I'm not sure which numbers Indiana's using to kind of compare. Um, the one audience that I think Indiana's still sort of working to figure out ways to capture their students, and I think that, you know, sort of the fear is basically that um, students have kind of been, you know, have been told for the last 15 months or whatever it is, hey, the, the college experience unfortunately can't be in person. You know, stay away from everything, stay away from everyone, don't do not do anything reckless. And now, you know, you, you, you're trying to re-engage that population, in particular in an activity like season ticket sales and, and like attending sporting events. Those are things that at Indiana, it's made the same for their school. Capture those kids in person, you know, having booths set up around campus, I know a really big season ticket, student season ticket push for Indiana comes around new student orientation and basically just having the booth in front of students and their families and just be like, hey, season, you know, football season tickets are 40 bucks. Well, you know, how can you afford not to? That sort of thing. And then you've got them and then you kind of get them into that cycle of don't forget to buy your basketball tickets and don't forget to renew your season tickets for next year and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's where Indiana is still trying to figure out exactly how to target that demographic. But from the general fan ticket side, uh, Indiana is seeing more energy and is hopeful. You know, the, their plan right now is to be full capacity for the fall. They're, they're hopeful that full capacity will look like full capacity at Memorial Stadium. Very good. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. Zach, we appreciate it and have a great summer. Absolutely. You too. Thanks for having me. Wisconsin. And here to talk about the Badgers, Colton Bartholomew from the Wisconsin State Journal. Colton, what was some of the themes, what were some of the bigger storylines in spring ball for Wisconsin? I'll start with the negative one first. They had too many injuries in the backfield, especially. Uh, they really didn't get to see what they had behind Jalen Berger at the running back spot this spring. Uh, and that was a, a big key for them coming into it. So uh, guys like Isaac Garendo and Julius Davis really weren't able to, to show what they could do and uh, try to carve out some roles. So I think that's something that's going to be uh, an issue they've got to address in the summer, probably try to attack the transfer market, add somebody back there. Um, 
But going to a positive side, I mean, the defense, especially in the secondary, uh, with the changes they made on the coaching staff, um, with Jim Leonard taking just the safeties and Hank Poteet coming in to coach the, the cornerback group, uh, you could see the improvement of both groups getting that individual attention and getting some more, you know, individual time with each coach and a little more one-on-one time with those coaches. You could see the, the physicality at the line of scrimmage from both positions. Uh, they're improving on the ball down the field. There's a lot of stuff in that secondary to be happy about. And I think the the amount of experience they have at both of those spots coming back is, is a big plus for them. So uh, lots of stuff that came out of spring, and I think the Badgers feel pretty good about what they're at right now. Colton, you, you alluded to it, the transfer portal. That is certainly just becoming a big part of the game anymore. How? What kind of pluses and minuses did Wisconsin experience with the portal here in the last four or five months? Yeah, so, I mean, you talk first about Jack Cohn. I mean, that was one of the more high-profile ones since he's a quarterback. He ends up going to, to Notre Dame. Uh, I think the one that's a little bit more impactful when you looked at uh, the roster as a whole is losing a guy like Nakia Watson out of the backfield. Um, I, I don't think he was ever going to be the, the stud that they thought he could have been coming out of high school. Um, but having him as a solid one-two pairing with Jalen Berger in the backfield would have been uh, pretty advantageous for him. And then they also lost Reggie Pearson, who was going to, be, who was on the 2019 roster, but wasn't able to play last year uh, due to a number of injuries, and he ends up transferring as well. So they haven't. They got uh, one transfer coming in um, from Oregon, uh, Isaac Townsend on the defensive line. He might be able to get in that rotation right away because he's a little bit more experienced and um, has, a, has a good frame to add some weight to to be a good 3-4 defensive lineman. Um, I think the one thing that they're going to have to, like I mentioned before, they have to find a running back, I think, in that transfer market. Um, and then they might also be looking for um, one more defensive lineman just to continue beefing up that position because it, they weren't able to land too many in the 2021 class. I think just one um, that I can remember off the top of my head right now. So I think there's they're still going to be active in that uh, summer transfer idea, but um, Wisconsin as a whole hasn't been able to or hasn't <clears throat> often dipped into that market as much. So it'll be a little bit of a change if they're able to this summer. What So the biggest question mark going into camps in August to you would be maybe that running back position, would that be it? I, I would say, yeah, the running back's the number one. And I think, too, just who else is going to step up a receiver? Because yeah. you looked at last season and not having Kendrick Pryor and Danny Davis for a lot of the year uh, due to concussions well, it was such a downstroke on their season because of you know the inexperience they had at wide receiver behind them. But you look at Shamari DK stepped up at times. He looked really good in the spring. Devin Chandler is another name to look out for. He looked really good in the spring. Brings an explosiveness that not a lot of guys in that group have. So I think those are the two spots on offense that are a little bit of a question mark. And then I think defensively, they're pretty set about what they have and the amount of guys they have coming back. I think the big question mark there would be if one of these outside linebackers can step up and be a more consistent pass rusher. Because you look at that 2020 season, the win-loss record wasn't there with what they wanted it to be, but a big part of that was they had to create pressure with blitzing, and sometimes it left the back end exposed. So if they can get it back to only having to go four or five guys to create a good amount of pass rush, that's going to help out both sides of that defense. Colton Bartholomew of the Wisconsin State Journal. Colton, thank you so much. Enjoy your summer. Yeah, thanks, the newest addition to Fred Hoiberg's staff, and that is Shannon Lum. And Shannon, congratulations on this this job. Uh, f- this is fantastic news. Congratulations and welcome to Lincoln. Thank you so much. I am I'm ecstatic. 
Uh, I'm nervous, I'm ecstatic, all at the same time. So it's a lot of feelings going on at once. But most of all, uh, just excited to get to meet everyone here in Nebraska and um, really get to see the culture like in person. I kind of had an idea how the culture was in, in Nebraska with, with sports, but in person it's completely different and something you've got to see in person for sure what what uh what made this position attractive for you what why was this of an interest for you yeah um i've had a good relationship with coach matt at the massey and and his operations staff uh with luca virgilio um so when i kind of heard they went to nebraska I, I followed the sport um the sports teams there a little bit more and the the people the people there they they care about the basketball program, the football program, the university and the people there in general. Um, and I trusted Matt and Luca a lot. Um, I, I would be remiss to say, yes, I, I was aware that I would be probably a rare um, uh, commodity, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, to be on a, a female on the men's side and, and especially in the position I'm at. It was one thing when I was a manager, but to have a full-time staffer um, be in a position like that, that, I do know that that has a, a bit of a, a different take. But, um, yeah, the most attractive thing was just the opportunity to get to work again with Coach Matt and Luca. But most of all, learn from someone like Coach Hoiberg. Like, I've followed him loosely prior to Nebraska. I've heard of his career. I knew Matt beforehand, so I knew about his career with Matt. Um, But all I've ever heard about is good things about Coach Hoiberg, and it's not even just basketball. Most of the good things I hear about Coach Hoiberg were about him as a person, a family man. Um, he's kind, fair. You know, you, you got to get the job done, right, and you have to work. But assuming, you know, you're a good person, there's a great relationship you can have there with Coach Hoiberg. And um, if you kind of read up on his past, he just – the people I've tried to connect with and say, hey, do you know who he is? And even if you didn't know him, I heard from different GMs and, and other people around the business, hey, like, I don't know him, but I've never heard anything bad about him, and I've kind of – heard good things about him from other people. So that's kind of like the research I did behind that um, and joining the staff. Again, we're visiting with Shannon Lum, who's the newest addition of Fred Hoiberg's staff, a newly created position in recruiting coordinator. And, Shannon, I, I want to dive into that a little bit more and just kind of what, what you understand your, de- your duties are going to be. We're kind of in a different world, aren't we, with this transfer portal now that the NCAA's jumped into. This is, I think, going to change a lot of sports uh, just lay out for us what you think, how you, how you understand what your job duties will be here at Nebraska. Yeah, um, you're right. It is a different landscape. I, I would be, I will say, I think uh, Matt, Coach Matt, is like probably the least surprised by this. Um, I think he's made a great um, addition to his arsenal, which is recruiting transfers. Like they did it at Iowa State. They were very successful there with Iowa State transfers. Um, he did at St. John's too, and I think that's why, like with Nebraska, yes, although the transfer rule is new, Coach Matt has been doing this for so many years, and he's gotten so many great guys, especially gotten the transfer specifically to the, to the next level in the pros, that it almost doesn't feel like it's going to be that new of a landscape. Um, it just might be a lot more names you're dealing with because everyone's allowed to transfer their first year and, and not have to sit, assuming it's their first time transferring. Um, but to answer your question about my role, I think amongst working with Coach Matt to make sure we have databases, like we went from maybe there might be 50 names in the transfer portal a couple of years back, right? You know, depending on who qualifies and who can fit your system. Now you have over a thousand people in the portal mm-hmm. and it's not even June 1st. 
Um, and so it's really hard. It's really easy to get in the portal. It's really hard to get out of the portal. So um, I think what my job would be is to really monitor that portal, keep in touch, uh, make sure I find people. They might be the gems in that portal, right? With so many names, you got to do your research and know, like, can this person actually fit your program and can they help you uh, ultimately win? And so I think I would do that. Um, and then add a little analytics to it. I think uh, Coach Hoiberg um, and Coach Nate, coming from the NBA, there's a little bit of like, yeah, we'd like to see a little numbers to, to back up, not just based off of, oh, we watch a couple of games. Like film matters a lot, but having a little analytics to back it up, depending on the level of the transfer, that could be really helpful too, I think, um, to kind of see, to gauge like how successful we think they could be um, at the Big Ten. Do you feel like a, a trailblazer? You mentioned I think there's only you're the second female to currently hold the title of recruiting coordinator at the Power Five level. You're the first Asian American uh, in Pacific Islander descent. Do you feel mm-hmm. like a trailblazer? I don't feel like one. I, I am aware of the responsibility I now hold, and um, I'm honored and humbled by it. But at, at the same time, like there's so much more I, I want to do, and um, I'm not letting this just be that, that one moment, if that makes sense. Um, I think I'm glad that my story is out there only because I want other people to be able to hear it and know that there's a chance for them too, whatever the situation might be. Um, but yeah, I'm not really the, the type for the attention. So it kind of threw me off with how much attention <laughs> it got in the last 48 hours. Um, I was aware it might garner some attention. I just did not understand the, uh, the level it would be at, but I, I am lucky and blessed with that. Um, and yeah, when, when, when people say tra- trailblazer, yes, technically I am, but I don't, I don't feel any different than I still have to prove myself. I still have to work hard and I still have to be successful in my role. Otherwise, it kind of was for nothing, right? You know, got to make sure I keep it going so then this next person doesn't have to do as much as I did or is um, doesn't need as much luck as I got. I think I, I was really lucky. I think it's hard work, but at the same time, you know, I was just blessed with um, different opportunities. Um, has, your, so yeah. has your phone been blowing up the last couple of days? I'm trying not to sound so conceited uh, and big-headed, but it it absolutely has. I've um, I was joking with my father. He came out here with me to help me find an uh, apartment, um, just because I didn't know the area and I didn't want to hold up the coaches too much. Um, but yeah, we we've been out like 12 o'clock to 6 p.m. for the last two days looking for places, and I've never seen so many text messages, social media comments, and tw- uh, Twitter tweets on my phone ever like right now i'm at 75 messages and i couldn't get to 75 messages in like two months ever <laughs> and now that was just from 3 a.m today to now that i'm at 75 again so it's, it's throwing me off a lot but um you know i can't i can't complain right it, i appreciate all the support i'm getting and i'm um, i'm gonna get back to everyone so if you're hearing this i'm working on it uh it just might take me a few more days <laughs> That's great. Well, Shannon, thank you so much for carving out a few minutes for us. I know it's extremely busy in your world right now. Welcome to Lincoln. Welcome to Huskers uh, basketball. I think you're going to love the the atmosphere in PBA when the the season gets going in November. Uh, Great to have you with us and can't wait to meet you in person. Thank you so much. I I can't wait to meet you in person, too. And, And to all the fans out there, like, let's get this going. And I'll see you guys all at Pinnacle Bank Arena. 
His voice will sound familiar. And that ball's gone. Bye-bye baseball. His knowledge is endless. He looked so fast. It was unbelievable. He's our Major League Baseball insider. Just ate a brownie, so I'm ready to go. Lane Grindle. Well, I know it's only been a week, but you sound different. You sound you sound older. Could that be the case? <laughs> yeah, that's the case. <laughs> I, I think, uh, you know, you go, you, you age one year each year, but this one felt like 10. <laughs> <laughs> well, happy belated birthday to you. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, 2020 and the start of 2021 has certainly been odd. It's got to be fun, though, to see more and more fans coming back to the games. A lot of people really open up the gates. I know the Brewers have expanded capacity. That's got to feel good. No, it feels really good. I, and, you know, to some degree, Greg, it feels a little bit redundant because we talk about it so often, you know, about how great it is to have fans and talk about it when we're on the call all the time. And, oh, boy, it's great to have fans. And, you know, sometimes you feel like you're repeating yourself a lot. But I don't know that we can say it enough. I mean, it just it makes all the difference in the world. And it's not just baseball. I mean, you look at the, the PGA Championship over the weekend to have fans there. Uh, certainly looked right, felt right, was exciting. Um, I, I think, you know, the NBA playoffs are starting to have more fans. I just think that this is one of the most normal feeling things we can do right now. And to get back to this is so outstanding. But, um, yeah, I mean, we're going to start seeing baseball stadiums consistently full now, I think, over the next month. And uh, that is a very welcome thing. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. Well, you're in the middle of a series with the Padres. I know you saw saw them earlier in the year, but they've been playing some really good baseball. How about this team? Is this a team that could could be a, a championship team come October? Yeah, well, for sure it is. And, you know, people might be surprised to hear me say that because the Brewers are 4-1 and one against them. But they are, Greg, they are they have everything. They really do. They, they have star power. They have, have power. They have incredible athleticism, and that's one of the things when I look at this team that really stands out to me that, to me, it separates them from some of the other contenders is their athleticism. I mean, uh, last night they beat the Brewers 7-1, to Greg, but it was the way they scored the seven runs that just had you shaking your head. Um, they scored seven runs on five hits. I think the Brewers committed one error. Uh, it wasn't like the Brewers were kicking the ball around the yard. They put pressure on you, and you don't see a lot of that in teams. It's kind of a fun brand to watch, to be honest with you. If you don't have a rooting interest, you really enjoyed watching them last night if you were a Brewers fan. You know, there was an inning, uh, the top of the eighth inning, where Tatis walks, steals second, then Hosmer hits, a, I think it was Hosmer, hits a hard ground ball to third. They look Tatis back to second. And the minute the ball's out of uh, Travis Shaw's hand, Tatis breaks for third, and you knew he was going to get there. And then he gets there, and then he scores on a wild pitch. So they uh. scored a run, and they never put the ball in play. I mean, that's just oh, – no, I mean, they put the ball in play once on the ground out. But that's, that's how dangerous they are. You know, where no matter – the Brewers were up 5 nothing going into the ninth on Monday night, and, you know, walk – crack home run you know another run comes home all of a sudden on a double from Hosmer and it's five three before you can blink and they scare you like that because you're like oh they can do this you know <laughs> you gotta go shut this down right now and the Brewers brought Josh Hader in and he did shut it down but they're they're really good they've got great pitching great pitching depth 
they have very good numbers from a bullpen standpoint. Uh, they're one of the best bullpens statistically in baseball. And they've got a great lineup with a lot of different options in it. I mean, right now they don't have Trent Grisham, they don't have Manny Machado, and they just keep on plugging along. They're they're really talented. That NL West is going to be some showdown over the course of this summer between them and the Dodgers. And I know the Giants are in there right now. I, I think they're going to have a hard time keeping pace with those two teams over the course of a full season. But right now the Giants are, are screaming and yelling at all of us saying, don't forget about us because they keep hanging in there too. Lead the going into today at least they led the majors in wins with 31. You and I have talked some about umpiring uh, during the, the early part of this season. The Cowboy Joe West set a record for in major leagues for umpiring the most games this week. Um, any Cowboy stories for us? What's this guy's reputation around the league? He's certainly a character. He's certainly a bigger figure than maybe an umpire should be in the league, isn't he? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think some people, um, <laughs> yeah, he's he's a bit of a celebrity. I mean, yeah. Joe is a uh, he's a bit of a celebrity. I've had the chance to meet him a couple of times walking in the tunnel with with you, um, and and I I kind of like him. Um, I you know, yeah, he's a big personality, but but he loves the game. He loves doing what he does, and and uh, he cares about the game. And there's I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, and it's quite a career, whether whether you like Joe West or not, to, to umpire for that many years. I think he started, what, 1970, 1976, Greg, I think is when he started umpiring. And it's over 5,300 games now that he's umpired. And, um, he, he's, he's quite a deal. I do have a story. A, a couple of years ago, he was the first base ump in a game. And I can't even remember who the Brewers were playing now off the top of my head. But somebody brought a ball to the ballpark. And they threw it from the upper deck, and it hit Joe West in the head. And it was kind of a—I mean, honestly, it was a scary deal at the time. You know, we kind of chuckle about it now a little bit. Uh, but some idiot, you know, brought a ball in and threw it. And I don't think they were trying to hit Joe West. They just were trying to throw it onto the field, and it hit Joe West in the head. And um, it was—it was kind of a scary deal. But I remember seeing him afterward. Um, you know, a, a day later, and he kind of took it all in stride, to be honest with you. And and uh, everybody kind of the, the guy was caught. They figured out who the culprit was, and and dealt with him accordingly. But um, that was that's I'm always going to think of that when I think of cowboy because it was such a weird one in a million type of thing that happened on that night, and I happened to be there and, and saw it happen. Well, yeah, he's he's a larger than life, as I put it, and I'm not sure that's a good thing. But every sport's got a couple of guys that seem to kind of shine more than others, he, or at least get more attention than others. Yeah, Greg, he was he was really interesting last year without fans because he he could hear everything, and he's fairly <laughs> sensitive. And he he threw Mike Rizzo out of a game from the the general manager's suite uh, at a Nationals game last year. He looked up and threw him out. <laughs> it was quite a deal. <laughs> oh, that's great. Hey, we've seen some big-time prospects get called up in the last week or so. The Mariners brought up their number one guy. We saw somebody else in the league this week. Have we passed a certain part of the calendar where now service clocks start differently, or are they passing? Are we one? Are we one, are we one of those stages right now? Yeah, and so Super 2 is what you always hear people talk about, but there's there's really no Super 2 anymore. Um, they've, they've changed some things like that. Josh Hader was one of the last super twos. 
um, that, that ever actually happened. But they still, you can manipulate the, the service time a little bit if you wait. The, the date is never a known date. You know, it's not like there's some absolute drop-dead date. Teams just got a pretty good feel for when it, when it is, and then you can get that extra year service on a guy if you wait a little bit to bring him up. And so some teams say, hey, we're not going to do that. We're gonna, if the guy earned his opportunity to be up here, we're going to bring him up here. But that's still hard to do if you can, you know, basically trade a month for a whole nother year of service time. So, you know, we've seen this come into light a little bit. Over the last few years, Chris Bryant uh, had, a, had a little bit of a court battle over when he was going to actually be able and be eligible to come, become a free agent. Um, it's going to be one of those things to follow. But we do have a lot of prospects coming up. One guy just down the road from me out of Waukesha, Wisconsin, Jared Kelnick, who's really talented. Your guy Joe Acker probably knows plenty about Jared Kelnick. Um, he is a, a really, really talented kid. And I think he's going to have a great career. I think he homered last night for Seattle. In fact, he's had hit a couple of home runs, but he's got a chance to be a really good one. Seattle's got some really good talent coming up. They're not a great team right now, but they're a team to watch, I think, in the next couple of years because they have some good young stars coming up. Kelnick, one of those guys. They've got Taylor Trammell right now also. who um, They've got a little bit of a crowded outfield. Kyle Lewis is out there also, but... Taylor Trammell's a guy they either got to find room for or maybe they'll have to move him for some more pitching or something else because they have a lot of good young players coming up right now. Very good. Well, you mentioned Joe Acker. I got to watch him take part in a dog pile over the weekend. Don't know if you knew, but the Huskers won a conference title. How about that? I, I'm very excited for the program, uh, for you to get a call, a conference championship, which, I mean, in a little inside broadcasting here, but I think anybody listening can appreciate that's a big deal. It's a lot of fun to be able to, to narrate and put your voice to a conference championship, and, and you don't get to do that every day. So I was happy for you and for Ben that you guys got a chance to call a conference championship. But I, I was really happy for Will Bolt and the kids. Um, Will Bolt is a friend of mine. He's an outstanding human being, and he's an outstanding coach, and I just couldn't be happier for him. He deserves this. And I think it's going to be the first of many. I really do. I think he's going to have this program sitting at the top of this conference. He may not win the conference championship every year, but you're going to be competing for it every year under Will Bolt's tutelage. So uh, happy for him, happy for the program. You know how much that place means to me. And I was just absolutely thrilled and tickled to see them win a conference championship. Very good. I know you're, you're finishing up with the Padres. What's ahead now for the crew? Go, so it's a four-game homestand with the Padres, then a three-game road trip to D.C. to take on the Nationals, mm. get back home for a little more extended period of time, a couple of games with the, the Tigers over Memorial Day. So um, should be fun. Brewers kind of hanging right in there. The, the Central starting to shape up to, to look like, at least heading into the summer, a three-team race between the Cardinals, Cubs, and Brewers. All right. Great stuff. We'll talk again next week. All right. Thanks, Greg. It's time to buy or sell. Now here's the hosts of Buy or Sell, Brett Whitty and Tim Curran. That's right, me and Brett holding the fort down for the first time in a long time. Probably been since like uh, 
January. I think that we actually did a buy sell together. So been a while. Yeah. Now that the, this could be dangerous. The, it's the dream team assembling right before your very eyes. So don't get intimidated. Uh, I normally start out this this uh, here segment by bragging on myself. Unfortunately, no. I don't think I can do that no. this week. I don't think I can do that this week. I don't I think you've done that ever. I peeked ahead, <laughs> and uh, I think it was a rough week. But uh, without any further ado, I suppose we should just jump into the answers. This one was a Greg special Husker baseball. Buyer sell that Nebraska's team ERA this past weekend would be below four. The answer ended up being a buy. Their ERA was mm-hmm. actually right at three. Not bad. Of course, Josh and I, haters, we sold it, got it wrong. Everyone else, correct with the buy? Wasn't looking too good the first two no. games. <laughs> but then uh, Chance Roach and Johnny Holstaff kind of kind of took over and saved the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well I, I got burned, and so did Josh, and I guess we deserved it, so fair enough. All right, next up uh, was a question from Tim from the MLB by sell that the next no-hitter thrown this season would come from a National League pitcher or there would be another no-hitter before the end of the month. That ended up being a buy. It was, it was an American League pitcher who threw the no-hitter, uh, but it was by the end of the month, and that was Corey Kluber who actually threw one later that night that the question was asked. Uh, everyone bought that one except for Austin. And Come yeah, on, Austin. Austin doesn't know that I have a crystal ball, and I could foresee that no hitter coming. I mean, literally, literally like a couple hours after we got off air, or maybe an hour, it was it was done. So, good for me. I'll Tim, pat I don't know that I would have used that line, the crystal ball line, based on what you just told us what, four minutes ago. So. Well, you got you got to keep Moss. Like you know, in the Incredibles, when Dash like has to get second place in the race, you don't want to like tip your hand too much. I'm just I'm just slowly pacing myself till I pull ahead. Anyway, okay. Uh, moving on, I <laughs> uh, got a golf cue from Josh, or rather, answer buy or sell that from the trio of Hideki Matsuyama, Colin Morikawa, and Bryson DeChambeau. All three would make the cut of the PGA Championship, or one of them would finish in the top two. The answer ended up being a buy as all three made the cut. Morikawa tied for eighth, Matsuyama tied for 23rd, and DeChambeau was tied for a lowly 38th, but made the cut. Brett Austin and myself all bought it, got it right, whereas Mm. Greg, Ben, Josh sold it. Haters, doubters, got it wrong. Of course, it's Bryson DeChambeau. I'm going to sell it. How about Ben? How about the the dust up they're having right now on Twitter between (laughs) DeChambeau and Kepka? Love it. Fun. I love, I love it. I do like Brooks Kepka. That was, a, that was an amazing interview he did. Oh, that, the disdain, the utter disdain. <laughs> Just like I have, I have for Ben on buy sell. The same, the same intensity. Oh my god! Jeez. Oh, when he walks by, you just stop your thought. Yes, this is true. All right, next answer uh, coming from World Football Buyer Sell that Leicester City would finish in fourth place in the Premier League or that there would be at least 27 goals scored across the 10 games on the final match day of the season last Sunday. That ended up being a bye. Leicester City did not finish fourth. They slipped to fifth on what was an exciting final day, but there were 31 goals scored on Sunday, so it ended up being a bye. Ben and Josh both got that right, and I dragged everyone down with the sill. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Greg. I got burned. Well, I haven't been keeping up on my world football, I guess. Uh, this yeah. one's a, a Greg PGA special. By our soul that the week's winner would already have won a major championship. And the answer, of course, was a buy. It was lefty, Phil. He'd already won uh, more than a few. Had several yeah. uh, to his name. So I sold it, got it wrong. So did Brett. So did Josh. Whereas Greg, Ben, and Austin got it right with a buy. Yeah. 
Lefty. But you guys didn't get the bonus point. No one no one called their shot. No one. Yeah, what okay. got me by pick uh, yeah. lefty. <laughs> Father Time himself did not pick lefty, but he did it. So <laughs> good stuff. All right. Next up, uh, Ben had a question from the major leagues by ourselves that Yerman – I'm gonna go with Mercedes uh, homers again before play next win before play uh, this next Wednesday. That ended up being a sell. He had zero home runs since last Monday coming into today. Everybody wow. sold that except for myself and Austin. We bought that for some reason. Thanks, Ben, and I got that wrong. Yeah, big big <laughs> Brad. I asked that question because he hit he hit the home run off uh, Williams Ostadillo, the the position player. Yeah, that twins. wasn't there wasn't there a little bit of controversy surrounding oh, yeah. that? It was a 3-0 pitch. They're up like 17 to 4 and there's two outs in the ninth. The, La Russa and, didn't like that one. No, he didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I should probably skip this next one that I asked last week. All but right. well, let's hear it. Let's oh. see where we got. Just the ball reader. <laughs> I can, I should like There's like a, a golf ball forming in my neck right here. Ugh. All right, an NHL question that I devised by or so that the Blues would beat the Avalanche in their series. It was one nothing Colorado at the time. Or it would go at least six games. Uh, well, the answer, that was way too optimistic. It was a sell. The Avalanche swept. Swap. Josh added the note, LOL. Well, <laughs> LOL indeed. I bought it, got it wrong. But so did Greg and Ben. You yes. guys can't really gloat. I know. Guys can't I really know. gloat. Sad. I thought the Blues had more heart than that. So, <laughs> yeah, so did I. <laughs> but they Just broke our hearts. Spear. Yeah, just broke jumped on the spear. Yep. They were ready for the offseason. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> All right, finishing up uh, our our answer question or answers to the questions. This one comes from Austin, Nebraska baseball related by ourselves that Nebraska would score at least 23 runs or allow 20 runs or less this last weekend. That ended up being a buy. They scored 31 and only allowed 15. Everybody bought that one except Yay. for Tim. Yo, I was going <laughs> to give a yay team. I can't. Oh, Timmy. You can still give a yay team. Yeah. No, I, I, I got to all get it right. I took the road less traveled, and it has made all a difference. Did you try um, to go against the grain there on that one? or No, I, mean, I don't think I actually did. I okay. think I was just in kind of a pessimistic mood. I don't know. <laughs> the road less traveled got you lost, and yeah. now you're stranded with a dead cell phone <laughs> not knowing where you're going. Those totals for Tim this week are – Well, let's – okay, we, I guess oh, we got to hear these. We got to jump yeah. into the totals. Uh, we, we're begrudgingly, Ben leading the pack this week at 6 of 8. Again? Uh, yep, again, oh, wow. again. Uh, whereas Greg, Josh, and so Brett, you. and Austin all went five of eight. And me, we don't even have to mention that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the rules of the game. Three of eight. A gentlemanly, How about a paltry? Oh. They're all paltry out a, there. A, That's pal a paltry that or a gentlemanly three of eight. A very That's conservative... That crystal ball is shattered. <laughs> it's cloudy. It's a little cloudy, it's yeah. It's cloudy. It's a little cloudy. I just shake it up. I think it's like one of those novelty magic eight balls I, I bought that is kind of broken right now. Well, uh, the totals for the season thus far, Ben still in the lead at 83 of 133. Uh, Greg in second place at 80 of mm, 133. Three back. Three back. back. Uh, I am still in third, so still on the uh, – still get a medal at uh, 77 of, of 133, uh, but falling off a little bit. Got to make up some ground. And then coming in fourth place, Josh at 75 of 133. Brett just behind him, nipping at his heels, 74 of 133. And last and certainly least, Austin Orman, 70 of 133. Oh. Still batting over 50%, 52.6. Not a horrible percentage. Yeah. No, that's not bad. There was a time when over 50% was really good in this season. Yes. Yeah, we've, just, we've just grown. We've grown a lot. Well, yeah. Chad, also, Chad kind of uh, skewed the, the curve, I think, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> we've, we've dumbed it down, I guess, this season is what we're trying to say. But uh, anyway, that'll lead us to this week's questions, and Greg shall lead us off. Okay. Husker baseball, buy or sell? that the Huskers play in a regional 
in the central time zone. I'll let that marinate for a little bit. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Um, there's probably a lot more that are going to be in the central time zone than any other one, so the odds would be in the favor to do that, so I will buy it. All right, Greg's buying. Um, let's see. Arizona West, Arkansas, Central. Well, Arizona doesn't do daylight savings time. So do they count? Because I think they're mountain. Well, be mountain, mountain times on that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Arkansas, Charlotte, East Carolina. I don't think they end up on the East Coast. And that takes out a bunch. I think all three Texas locations are in play. I think Stanford's in play. I think Oregon and Gonzaga are in play. So lots of West Coast. <laughs> Just keep on going through every location. Um, I think Louisiana Tech's in play. That's Central. Louisiana's? I thought it was Eastern. Yep. Nope, Central. I think they're like right in the line. So... Ken, don't it's even look it up because Alabama to, is and, and Louisiana right is, <laughs> is well west of there. I'm just keeping you on your toes. Tim is fact-checking as we speak. I can hear him typing. Into my supercomputer where it tells me all my information. Man, okay, so it's either going to be a Texas. It needs to be TCU, Texas. That's a great question. Come on, just Texas say it. Tech. Holy cow, Ben. It's a great or question. Or LaTeX or... <laughs> just keep... Tim, when you're in first it. place, when you're in first place, this has, you, you, have, you take it seriously. Oh, God. Now, when you're like in a lowly third, you know, you must, you must you I've got, punch away questions. I've got everyone right where I want them, and that's all I'll say on the matter. Um, <laughs> man, I'm going to buy it. I think there's just too many options in the central. Cap, I'm going to sell it. And the, the reason being is I already looked in my – I had plenty of time to gaze into my crystal ball while <laughs> – while Ben was cycling through his city options. I hope it's so. the same one you were looking through last week. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to buy that one. Uh, Greg's question, and he bought it. So just going to follow along that trend. Right. I think we ought to change that rule. I think when we ask a question, we should be the last one. Yeah, because then, you, then, then you, you can't tip your hand. It messes yeah. with the uh, other person's thinking. Or Brett could just we, not be a sheep. and just. What do we think? Can we make <laughs> Can we make? Do we have a quorum here to make yeah. a call on this? The count, yeah, right the now? council emergency right now, meeting. Doing it right now? Right we, now. There's only a few weeks left to buy sell. So if we're going to do it, let's do it now. Okay, yeah. yeah let's do it now. Uh, we got uh, emergency <laughs> powers to... Bing right. gives his answer last Star to the next question. Starting, starting with my question, apparently. <laughs> the yeah. new guy what, a, what a break for the leader in the clubhouse, too, here. <laughs> yeah, you should have kept your mouth shut for another Dang four it. questions until it, it cycled back around what you. What am I doing? I'm fine with it. But now All it's right. Well, turn. we had this uh, we had this question brought up on uh, on one of the text lines last week. Well, not this directly, but it, it kind of plays into the question. Buy or sell that a team earns a one seed that isn't a host site team. <laughs> Tim gets to go first on this. I guess I do. Good uh, luck, Tim. Look at that crystal ball. <laughs> Tell me what you see. I'm not seeing much. I got to knock the rust off. Um, which I'll which buy it. East. I'll buy that. I don't have much of a reason for it, but I, I like those odds. I'll buy it. I'm going to need to hear Greg's reasoning. <laughs> You're next. <laughs> yeah, Brett, come on. Man, this is going to be a shot in the dark here. Uh, Welcome to our world. I, I, exactly. You wonder why I don't play face off. <laughs> uh, 
I'm going to sell that one just because Tim just bought it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I'm going to sell it, too. I think it's going to be really close, but I do think that they're going to come up with 16 number one seeds at host. So I'm going to sell it, but it's close. I'm selling also. All nice. right. I did, I did the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, got another NHL playoffs uh, question. This time, no blues. Uh, buy or sell that of the three game six games being played tonight, at least two will be forced into a Game 7. Uh, just to recap, that's Panthers-Lightning, Golden Knights-Wild, and Hurricanes-Predators. So two of those three series need to go to a Game 7. What do you think? Brett Witte. needs to go first, yeah. Yeah, I'll buy that one. I think that in hockey you see a lot more Game 7s than in other sports. That's true. But I'm going to take the. I'm going to skate on the other side of this one. I'm going to. I'm going to sell it. Nice turn of phrase there. <laughs> well, the Lightning definitely aren't going seven, and I don't like the way the Wild have played lately. So I'm going to sell. All right, solid stuff. And uh, you'll never guess. You'll never guess. Oh, who's, yeah. I'm going to buy it. I'm, I'm oh, gonna okay. Buy it, but all right, I'm still confident. In my own, I think I buy all my own questions. But it's that's that pretty successful. Have to do that though. Pretty successful. Stri- it's been working out for me so far. Well, yeah, three and eight last week. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was my one rough weekend. It's everyone gets one. Everyone gets one. Yeah, just one. Uh, all right. Next question coming from when uh, world football again, the Champions League final. Buy or sell that Manchester City and Chelsea combined for at least three goals, and the U.S. Wonder Boy Christian Pulisic plays at least sixty minutes in the Champions League final. This weekend, well, you know what I do with and questions, so <laughs> it's sell, a sell. Sell the you methodology did, is sound. You did go I, against the grain on that a couple weeks ago. I, think. I know, and I think it killed me. I think he probably plays sixty, but I'll say it's a lower scoring game than three goals. Okay, I have no idea if the dude's going to play sixty minutes. <laughs> um, three goals. I feel like that's kind of a lot. Average uh, average goals scored in a Premier League game, just so you know, is 2.9. Obviously, this is Champions League, but it is two Premier League teams. Yeah, 2.9. That's, that's not three. I'm selling. All right. Well, look at that. Brett, Brett tipping his hand. I'm going to go ahead and buy it. I think Pulisic, he's been starting, I believe, um, mm-hmm. or playing. Yeah. So, yeah, 60 he minutes, unless he gets dinged up. So, he'll play 60. And, yeah, I think we'll, I think we'll see some, a lot of golazos. It'll be a goal fest, Champions League final. Um, yeah, I want to buy it. Yeah, I think I'll I'll buy that one for the. I think they'll get the three goals, and I also think Christian will play just over sixty minutes. I don't. He's definitely not going to play the full ninety, but hopefully he does keep starting. He is he is fit. He hasn't picked up any injuries, even though he is an injury prone player. So as it as it stands, I think that both of those will actually be buys. Hmm. Okay. Is it a jo- is oh it yeah, a sorry. I should, I should take over. It is Josh. I was patiently waiting for the hill. Well, Josh, where are you? Chime in. He's not going to chime in. Uh, yeah, New Major League Baseball one for Josh Byers, so that the Minnesota Twins will sweep their <laughs> series with the Baltimore Orioles. That's May thirty first through June second, or they win four of their next seven against the Royals. Don't tell us what he did. Don't okay, well, I want to say I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy it just because I like I like the audacity of Josh's twins questions. Um, it'd also be funny if they won four. I don't think that's going to happen, but it would be hilarious if they won four of their next seven against the Royals. Well, <laughs> Baltimore's bad. Sweeping those hard to do. Twins are terrible. So they play the Royals this weekend. I think they start a series of the Royals. Four of seven. I sense the twins kind of piecing it together a little bit. I'm going to buy it. Okay. 
When does Means pitch again? Could not tell you. No, he just pitched. He just pitched against Minnesota. This is maybe last game of the series. Um. So, is he talking about the series that they're in right now? No, it's the one May thirty first of the oh, May thirty first. Yeah, the yep. June second. So it's the return trip. Wasn't this in Baltimore? The one they wrapped uh, up today or tomorrow, whenever they wrap them at up. Check. Uh, I, I believe yeah. it's at Minnesota. Personally, stop checking twin scores just to ease the pain. Ooh, so he's going to miss. They could sweep Baltimore because Means isn't pitching. Um, let's see. I'm selling, though. Selling, selling the twins. Yeah, I'm selling the twins, too. Jeez, I, as much no. as I'm a fan, I just it's it's been tough. I picked to up Miguel Sano on my fantasy team. He did a home run today, so that's hey. that's positive. You, wait, sorry, you said what? Them. You're buying or selling it then? I, I sold it. Okay, gotcha. Been sold. Gotcha. All right. All right. Next up, uh, also from the MLB, this is Austin's question. Buy or sell that Vlad Jr. or Shohei Otani lead the majors in home runs three weeks from today. Bye. Whoa, Whoa. Okay. that was fast. Right. Greg from the top rope. <laughs> Quick on the trigger there. <laughs> Didn't take much time to contemplate that. <laughs> Austin's questions, you guys should know, are pretty it's it's forward. It's pretty, it's, yeah, yeah, they're pretty plain cut. Either it's yes or no. It's pretty. Um, Man, them two are the field. Hmm. Yeah, yeah what, three weeks, uh, right? Three weeks. Yeah, three weeks. Three weeks from the day. Garcia from Texas hit another one today. He's, I think he's tied Vlad. Uh, Ronnie Acuna, can he stay healthy or no? I don't know. You're right. Garcia and Guerrero both have 16. Otani's got 15. Acuna's got 15. I'm selling. Can Otani stay fit? Did you see the shot Otani hit last night? About broke a seat when it 117 landed. <laughs> off the bat. Jeez. Yeah, I'm going to sell as well. I'm taking the field. I'm just more comfortable with that from an odds perspective. And even though I'm sure Otani would be close, I still still feel more comfortable selling. Yeah, I'm going to sell for all of those same reasons. There you go. <laughs> Brett, Brett following as always. <laughs> Which brings us back to uh, Greg. All right, I'm going PGA Golf. Buy or sell that Phil Mickelson makes the cut this week at the Charles Schwab Challenge. This is in Fort Worth, the old Colonial Golf Course. I, yeah, this so Phil coming off the win, playing right again back with the uh, the PGA guys. I'm selling it. Sorry, lefty. I don't like your I don't like your chances of bouncing back and making a cut here. Hmm. Well, well. Ah, oh, man. Tim? <laughs> I'm going to sell. I think I think <laughs> Phil's taking his victory lap. I don't think he's too dialed in for the Charles Schwab challenge, so I'm going to sell. Yeah, because, man. I, wa- I really want to buy that one, but just to be different. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to sell that one as well. I think, man, he could pull out due to injury. It, you know, it could be something like that. God, I really thought you guys – I'm selling too. I just – this is a really tight golf course, kind of an old tree-line uh, traditional golf course. I don't think he plays that real well because he still sprays it around the place. That's why that ocean course was pretty wide in some spots that he was able to kind of chunk it around. I don't think he'll do that here. So, yeah, man, I made it too easy, I guess. So. Yeah, predictable. <laughs> got to play the game. <laughs> uh, all right, all right, Ben. 
All right, here we go. Buy or sell that a major league team has a win streak of 11 before the end of buy sell. Ooh. Didn't the Rays just have one? Of 13. And I didn't want to do 10 because the Dodgers are currently at 8. They're playing right now. Um, and they're tied with the Astros at 1 with Bauer on the mound. I'm selling it. Yeah, I'm gonna sell as well. I, I think uh, that's I could have gone last. What am I doing? <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. Thanks, yeah, ben. ben broke his yep. bro- ben broke the rules. That's a punishment. Minus one for Ben on his total. Um, yeah, I'm selling it. I think I think that's ambitious. I think that's a lot to ask of a team, and I'm selling it. I uh, I'm gonna buy that one. Woo! Brett feeling dangerous. The Dodgers today. win tonight and win two more. They do it. Does Gr- did Greg, did you already Wait, ask or I have, No, I'm, I'm no. the last one to go here. Or Ben was supposed to be, but yep. he, he jumped right <laughs> in there and got yeah, offered I abide by the rule that we implemented six minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> got buzzed, dinged hard. Sell. So, okay. Wow. Oh, man. And that is now, the final word. <laughs> now, I, now I feel like I made it wrong. All right. I, I could... <laughs> I could <laughs> oh, my Lord. Good thing we made that rule change. Uh, where, where is Brett going to be at without Greg guiding without him? Um, guidance. Yeah. All right. Well, I've got an NBA. This is right in your wheelhouse, Brett. i got an NBA playoff okay, here we go. Q dialed up. Buyers sell that the Utah hmm. Jazz will not lose another game to Memphis in their current series or... One of the games will be decided by a buzzer beater. Hmm. Uh, and I'm going to buy it. I don't know if the buzzer beater is going to happen. I think the Utah Jazz are going to be on a revenge tour. Uh, they're just going to beat back the Grizzlies, and they're going to sweep the rest of the way. So, bye. Even though I switched away, I broke my own rule just like Ben. So, Jeez, yeah. I was sure about to say, Tim's penalized a question, too. <laughs> uh, well, so, uh, let me clarify. So, buzzer beater, so does this mean that the horn sounds when the ball's in the air? Uh, yeah. Well, I'm going to say. Question. Yeah, what, I th- I, it's, well, it's what I, it's got to be. Yeah, it's yeah, got to be. It's got yeah. It's got to be that. You got to have zeros in the clock. So it's not like a ball can go through a two tenths left. That doesn't count. Nope. Uh, well, okay. I'll, I'll amend it by saying like a final. If there's a if there's a shot. minor shot kind of differential. Okay, so now now there's a complete gray. Well, no, hold on. Minor because, shot oh, is, well, well. Let's say it goes into review. Let's say that like there's a clo- like like it, <laughs> it it stops at point two seconds and they review like okay did he Why get the shot off? Why don't you say of zero point nine seconds or earlier or something like that? Something yeah within five. So there's seconds a, a con- the you know your minor and my minor time could be completely different. All right, I added that note. Zero point nine seconds. All right, so zero point nine seconds can be left on the cro- clock for it to be a buy. And Does that change your answer, Greg? I haven't answered yet. I think Tim. I'm Tim, waiting on Tim. Tim, uh, Tim made bought his. it. Are you still going to buy it, Tim? I yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to sell that one personally. I think Memphis snags a game, and that does it. I'm selling the crap that's, out of this question. That's great logic, Brett. I'm right there with you. Sell. Yeah. I don't have the jazz. Guys, jazz has never really impressed me too you guys much. Be sorry. You guys will be sorry. All right. Hey. <laughs> I've seen my didn't, crystal ball. Didn't know you were guys. <laughs> All right, well, we wrap up uh, with another NBA question here. Buy or sell that the combined seeding number for the NBA conference semifinals is less than or equal to 26. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> and this is hurts. Ah. This one's definitely going to hurt for me to not answer first. So. Oh, my goodness. All right. Okay, so uh, they're going to take get, out your bl- calculators, do your long division. Got a graphing calculator if you need it. God, 26. 26. So so you're looking Um, at the majority of chalk, but a a couple upsets. 
I think it's a little on the low side. I'm going to sell it. All right. Hmm. Hmm. I'm buying. I'm you all know, in. It, ben buys chalk all the time. Ben's yeah, a chalk take guy. Take my money. I'm he 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 was tutored by Chalk Colhane. Chalk Colhane. So. <laughs> okay. I'm going to buy as well because why not? I'm chalking as well. Uh, I'm going to buy as well just because I, I did the math and I worked out 26 as the teams okay. that I think are going to advance. There so. you go. And thus concludes another <laughs> another. So thrill. you did it and it landed right on 26? Landed right on 26. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. makes you feel even better then. Yeah. 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 And that will and include another thrilling edition of Buy Sell. Nice. Oh, I liked our new amendment, even though you guys you broke it twice. You broke it up on that thing. Need so. a grace period sometimes, you know, with the new rule. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>